Hello there, I'm Tim and he's John and this is How to Murder Time, a podcast about games and things. Hello everybody. Watcher. Sorry, you joined us as my chaos <laughs> is having a, a dark moment there, looking into the depths of I, the soul. I, I just pointed out that this is our tenth year of podcasting. Tenth year of podcasting, yes. And what have we got to show for it? Absolutely nothing. We haven't learned anything, have we? No. We've got no better either. No. <laughs> We're not better at any games. No. No. In fact, if you look later, there's some fantastic footage of me being murdered in Skyrim as well. So yeah. yeah. There you go. Um, yes. See, real streamers and YouTube personalities don't record the deaths. I think they just only record themselves looking awesome. No, they record after the death. Oh, right. Practice, practice, practice. And then only submit the one that looks and makes them look awesome. No, I, was I haven't making, got time for that. I was making a YouTuber reference about uh, oh, horrible gosh. YouTubers. Wow, yeah, yeah, I didn't mean to go there. But uh, yeah, right, good. Moving on, anyway. Moving on. Yeah, it's uh, New Year. We didn't do one last week, did we, or the week before? Or it's like no, three it's, weeks or something? Shh, oh. schedule's still working. Oh, okay. We uh, have leeway. Scratch that, it's fine. It's fine, yeah, it's no. been two weeks since the last show. Yes, definitely. I have I've only been away for two weeks also. We had a Christmas. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, well, we, I did manage to play quite a lot of games. So, so but I've been talking about lots of those in previous shows. I'm going to talk about some of the things I haven't talked about, okay. I hope, and, and yeah, make good. it thus interesting, probably. Oh, as close to the interesting open, as we get. I'm going to open with Echo, which is new. It's uh, a sort of sci-fi stealth them up uh, and is really good. Uh, this was given to me as a gift because okay. uh, one of the friends of the show thought I might enjoy it a lot. And I people desperately did. So what you're basically saying <laughs> is people who watch the show and are I... sending you games <laughs> to desperately get you to talk about other games. I've got to keep talking about Warframe until someone buys me some stuff on Steam, yes. No, that's not it at all, though. I, it's fine. I can afford my own games. It's all right. Um, yes, Echo. So you play... Uh, it's about Dolphin. Not about a dolphin, no. So that surprised me. You play a, a futuristic member of the Resourceful, um, which is like a kind of futuristic techno cult named N E N, uh, who is on some kind of obscure mission. It, it really opens with a I have no idea what's going on feel to it, and I love those. It's great. Yeah, yeah. That sort of inextricable mystery sort of thing, which hopefully gets revealed to you as part of the story and the plot as it goes along, and, and so, some of it has been. Um, yes, she is on board. A, just been brought out of cryostasis. On on a long hundred-year journey on a spaceship called the London, um, okay. which is the name of the ship Blake and Avon escaped from at the start of Blake 7. There you go. Some bit of sci-fi trivia. You knew that. But of course did I they? Mm. Anyway, I don't know if that's... If you a... don't, watch, uh, <laughs> watch out for on Twitter the guy who's doing the production uh, blogging of Blake 7 in... 40 years out real time. Mm. Anyway, this um, this ship's called the London. It's got like a super hyper-intelligent mind AI type of thing. It's, if you're thinking culture already, then you're probably bang on. The whole thing screams culture, except in name. They obviously, I don't know if they ever even attempted to try and make it a culture game as such, but it's been hev- heavily influenced. He didn't return their calls. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so, yeah, this ship's, this ship's taken end to a mysterious planet halfway across the galaxy. She's bringing this red cube object, which uh-huh. is... It, Transpires. Uh, I'm trying not to spoil it, and I haven't got so far enough into massively spoiler it anyway. I think, but it's this cube somehow contains the uploaded personality or transcribed soul or some kind of digitized mind state of, of a chap called Foster, who is close to both N and the ship. And of the ship, London and N really don't like each other at all. The ship's basically given N a lift to this planet as a favor to Foster, and and she's trying to. I don't know whether they were lovers or relatives or family. Quite close. Well, the anyway. ship. No, no, the, 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 the Foster and N. Okay. So basically they both are sort of reluctantly working together to try and get this cube to this planetary-wide supercomputer repository thing. And I think the idea is that some through some weird, sufficiently advanced technology, 
when Foster died, part of him was transcribed into the, the planet as a kind of giant mainframe planet supercomputer thing, and part of him is on in this cube. So she's taking this cube, and there's also quasi-techno-religious cult pagan re- belief things going on here as well, which gets explained as we go on. And um, she's got to try and take this cube to the planet and do a thing with it. Um, as you do. And trying, basically, you know, with the attempt of trying to get Foster back, which already lends a sort of quite fascinating take on the normal stealth genre. Normally it's you're a thief out to steal lots of stuff, and you get caught up in eldritch goings-on, or, or, or you're a hell-bent assassin crazed on revenge, or, or I don't even know what Metal Gear Solid Phantom Pain thing was about. But that was some kind of stealth thing as well, was there? Yeah. Some contemporary stealth. I don't, I'm I, not going to explain the plots to Metal Gear no, Solid. No, fair enough. It's we'll not be here e- all week. Not even relevant. <laughs> and I, mean, I don't understand them. I don't know what Splinter Cell's about, but you're a guy with very obtu- very easy-to-spot green goggles who creeps about in the dark yeah. and does stuff. But anyway, I mean, it's all, it's all about sort of, you know, out for the take and the, the heist and stuff. And this sort of presents quite a different slant on it, and I'm quite fascinated. Um... So yeah, you can turn up on this planet, you get dropped on the thing. Uh, uh, London gives N this sort of super-powered suit, which okay. sort of you know gives her abilities to leap off balconies, and it comes with a, a built-in gun as well, and, and that sort of thing. It, the whole thing smacks of a culture, special circumstances agent, and the sarcastic <laughs> drone going off on a on a do-or-die mission, you know. And it's really good. I mean, the, the the ship doesn't really accompany; it's more of the sort of voice on the intercom, sort of in, in sits in waits in orbit. But um, the sort of banter and dialogue between these two as they go through is really well written they don't like each other at all and the, the ship's quite coldly sarcastic all the way through and she's quite quite optimistic and trying to you know keep keep things perky as you go along and it is it's a quite an interesting characterization and writing to the whole thing as well the voice acting is very good um yeah. i think it's rose burn uh you may know as egret from game of thrones you know nothing no. john snow no uh, you don't know anyway they might do. i don't watch game of thrones no, well, fair enough. But she's not doing the stupid northerner accent, which is good. She's doing some kind of very very uh, Radio 4 posh accent instead. But anyway, um, yes, fantastic voice work uh, and interesting characterizations going through. And the, so you, they land on this planet, work their way down into... And it's like it's just covered in regular towers, as far as the eye can see. Clearly the whole thing's artificial. It's yeah. some giant supercomputer thing. Uh, they break in, and inside it's all done out like Louis Sixteenth, you know, palaces. Oh, with nice. like all gilt-backed chairs lining the walls yeah. and big floral arrangements on tables and really high ceilings with all the inlay decorations. And that's really weird. Uh, and the whole place just gets weirder and weirder as you sort of carry on down through. The thing is, I mean, they do some clever work with what seem to be infinitely long corridors, um, you know, vanishing points into the distance. You get a real sense of, oh, my God, this place is ridiculously huge. How are we going to find anything in here? Um, and then, yeah, she gets to a thing, uses the cube on a beam of light, and everything goes everything sort of wakes up and starts going crazy and the, it turns out that the planet is either corrupted or actively malevolent and early on what it starts doing is um it starts growing clones of n okay it decides that probably the best way to deal with the intrusion is to just duplicate the intruder and use the clones to attack you which basically gives you the sort of pretext for it's just loads and loads of you trying to kill you all the way through is this an effort to reduce the amount of uh <laughs> there is only one there is only one creature yes so uh, but but it's strange it works well in the setting i mean you know instead of the usual sort of robot sentries or, or you know the, the town guards who that kind of thing they're they are artificially grown creatures that are designed that sort of working to thwart you as you try and work your way down into the centre yeah. of this place. So, And then what happens after that is it gets, it gets really interesting. So get coming to the mechanics of the game. So the, the palace is really brightly lit. It's it's absolutely not a game full of shadows and dark corners and, and you know, the usual sort of Can nighttime streets. Can you just use the, the light switch to make it dark? No, no, no it's, it's better than that. <laughs> so the... 
it's I mean the first the first couple of levels uh, are all just really white you know really blindingly yeah. and you're there in your big black your spacesuit thing and all of the clones are in black spacesuits as well so you know they're obviously wearing the same thing as you so it makes it easy to spot and stuff but you get this real you can't just hide in the shadows who's and making the spacesuits it came from the ship. Oh, the, the ones that they're all yeah. wearing. Uh, cloning, I can understand. But it's, it's not. A... It's not actual cloning. It's some kind of matter. Okay. It's like nanotech or something. There's, they are just formed from yeah, you know, with suits and, and all that sort of thing. So yeah, so you get this. So the, there are periods where the lights are on. Then suddenly the lights, the, the music suddenly does a sort of bit of a spike, and then the, the lights go out. Yeah. And you carry on doing your thing, and the clones are still wandering around, but now it's pitch black in the place because the power's gone because the planet, the whole planet computer thing's unstable. Then at the end of that period. Everything literally goes black, including your own HUD and everything. It fades to black, then comes back with all the lights on. The, you know, the lights all come sort of shimmering on yeah. in, in sequence along the roof and stuff. And during that 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 blackout phase, it's explained that the massive something something graviton pulse something something the suit locked up. You know, including faceplates. So basically, it's a. So what you have is essentially a, a sort of cycle of three particular phases. The, the, the lights are on phase, the lights are off phase, and then a sort of blackout reset thing. And, and as you go through, you start to, you know, the, the characters, N and London, are sort of trying to puzzle out what's going on as well. And they work out that when the lights are on, every so often when you do a thing, a weird blue hologram of you sort of appears where you were. It's an icy hologram thing. So if you use a light switch or crouch yeah. or whatever, you get this ghost image of you doing that. It stays there when you move away, and you think, oh, that's a bit odd. And that happens a couple of times. Then the lights go out, and then the next time after the next reset, it, all, the, all of the clones sort of get up from where they are, including the ones you've killed. Okay. Yeah, or knocked out or whatever, you know. Um, they, they're all reset to where they were. They're aggro. Even the ones that were chasing you suddenly ignore you and are back where they were. So That doesn't sound very efficient for the... Uh... Oh, no, it's much better than that, because when they wake up, they now know how to do the things you were scanned doing during the daytime. Oh yes, this uh, it's it's a wretched phrase, but this really does take stealth gameplay to the next level because it is literally stealth squared. You've got a tactical game, which is you hiding behind co- hiding behind cover yeah. and waiting for the patrol away. You can run up and do the uh, muffled takedown, silent yeah. takedown from behind in melee if you like. You can shoot them. There's a powerful gun that you, the suit comes with. Which is quite noisy, though. It will insta-kill anyone you shoot with it, but it makes a lot of noise and everyone else comes running. And you, it's got very slow recharge, very slow, very low amount of ammo. So that's a last resort weapon. Yeah. You can sort of crowd, you can sort of vault across chest-high walls, you can call lifts, you can open doors, you can leap off ledges down to lower ledges, all okay. that sort of thing. Of course, anytime you do any of those things, the palace scans you doing it and then uploads that action to the clones for the next for the next cycle. So, <laughs> you know, when you work out that uh, that's what's going on, and it is actually explained to you in character, in context by the, by N and London, they work it out. So you start to realise, oh god, so perhaps I ought to save my really really clever moves when the lights are off because when the lights are off the palace can't scan you it's now it's in downtime yeah so you you get this as well as the tactical hiding behind cover, cover and creeping towards the objective you've got a strategic thing what do i do when because it, it will learn and obviously that the the initial thought what do you think you'd do in that situation do everything in the dark do everything in the dark exactly i thought okay well we'll just we'll just hide in this corner until the wait, lights go out then push the button then then push yeah wait till the goes out then run frantically for two <laughs> minutes do all the vaulting shooting whatever and then the plane still went no no because yep. it's not actually timed oh the lights don't seem to go out until you've done at least three things or four <laughs> things or whatever so it, it's like it needs a certain repertoire of things yeah. to work with 
and that's absolutely terrifying. And it's it really twigged the first time when the light, when the you know the fade to black came back up and the lights came on and some of them were crouch walking. I thought, hello, <laughs> <laughs> they haven't done that before. Oh God, you know it really sort of drives home suddenly what you're actually up against here. It's not just the they've usual, adapted. They've ad- they have adapted. It is that is their big gimmick and and it really is effective. It's fascinating. I mean, I have some some can, some sort of questions about how intelligently it uses the actions you've taught it. So you can, you know, fine, it knows how to shoot things, but then sometimes you'll, you'll be creeping through a level and just hear just random gunshots in the distance as some of the clones <laughs> are just randomly shooting things. So they're not, they don't necessarily sew all these actions that you've taught it together into a meaningful plan, but things like patrol routes do change because they'll patrol backwards and forwards in, up to a chest-high wall, turn around yeah. and go back away again. If, they, if they've learned how to vault over chest-high walls, that going. patrol route will keep going over Ooh. the wall and suddenly it all changes, yeah. They will leap off ledges down to lower ledges because <laughs> you can do that and they'll do it too. They can know, you track them all down on lower ledges? Um, well, if you don't teach them how to call lifts or anything... Yeah, this is it, exactly. So, so they can see you from the other side of a chest-high wall, but if they don't know how to vault over it, yeah. they just stand there impotently looking at you, <laughs> and you, you're fine. But if they know how to vault it, they'll be over and they'll be on you. And you, you've you got basically one health point. You know, you've got... Yeah. When they catch you, you've got one chance to mash F to push them away, and then that puts you in a sort of spiky danger, danger, danger mode. And if anything catches you in that mode, you're dead. Yeah. So back to the save point, try again. So you don't have a... You know, you can't just tank it up. It really is a stealth game. The gun seems like it might be powerful. It will insta-kill anything it hits and penetrates as well. So if you get, like, four of them in a row and fire, you'll take them all out in one oh, shot. Okay. But... It's got a very low amount of power. It yeah. takes a while to recharge that shot, uh, and it makes an enormous noise, and everyone else will come running. So that's a, oh, God, I've stuffed it And it, it teaches them how to shoot the gun. It teaches them how to shoot the gun. That was terrifying <laughs> the first time. Incoming fire. What? And one of them's pointing a gun at me. Like, ah! <laughs> run, run, run. It, it's, it's a criticism I've heard a lot about some otherwise fine examples of the genre. Things like the Thief series. The yeah, real aficionados of the series will sometimes criticise it because the guards are too stupid. Yeah. Yeah. They just keep going backwards and forwards. They don't notice when the bloke they were talking to two minutes ago is suddenly not there. Well, it, they don't notice when all the lights have been you know, are now yeah. out and damp. It, it's the old stealth problem. Yeah. You make the guards clever, yeah. and, and it's hard. Yeah, well, it is hard. This game is hard. Uh, but fortunately, what I, one thing it does do is that quickly you also learn that they unlearn things as well. Oh. I, I wonder if that was a sort of post-alpha, post-beta kludge they decided <laughs> to try and write in, or, or whether that was always the plan. Because obviously, eventually... The They'll know everything you can do and run as fast as you. And that's a. T- you, you, I mean, I'm afraid to run in this game. <laughs> you know, when think when when suddenly I need to get across the gap before they come back, I have to really think about: Do I want to run because it's going to learn how to run, yeah. or do I want to try and just wait and try and come up with a different? You know, you have to actually ration out your actions. And, and, and try and keep track of what they know, what they don't know. They, can they open doors? They can vault over ledges, but they can't open doors. So the one on the other side of that door, you know. I'm always keen to close doors behind me when I'm going through this place because they'll learn the closing doors as well. Yeah. And if you don't teach them to close doors, they just leave all the doors open and suddenly there's sight lines all the way across everywhere. So, But if you're always meticulous about closing doors every time you, clo- you go through one, they'll always close the doors behind them as well, <laughs> which means that, you're, you, you know, that you've got blocked ah, line of sight. You can use their abilities against them. Yes. And, and it can only, I think, the idea is that the clones can only store so many actions at a time which means they unlearn ones you haven't done in a while in favor of new things which is basically what they've designed is a game that forces you to continually change how you play as you as you go through it is i mean you know just from the meta game design perspective it's absolutely fascinating and quite really clever and yeah you suddenly you've got this tactical stealth gameplay and the strategic aspect of right what do they now know what can i afford to teach them you know things like picking a bunch of grapes and eating them that replenishes your running stamina which expends yeah. as you run 
Um, that's safe enough to teach them, and, and they will. They'll, they'll stop and just eat grapes as they wander <laughs> past things. You know, um, there's a bunch of collectibles. You know, every game like this has a, has a whole series of collectibles. Of and these these are tuning forks. There's reasons. Um, basically, every time you go past and bing one, uh, you, you learn. You get another audio fragment that gets compiled by the suit and eventually if you've done enough of those between levels you get a, a chapter of, of some lore appear okay. decoded by the suit which is interesting because that's you know replay value you've got to catch yeah. them all that sort of thing but also dinging a tuning fork is another thing they'll learn <laughs> and oh. the clever thing is I saw in the in the achievement list in Steam there's an achievement called outsourcing which is basically you get an achievement if one of them dings a tuning fork <laughs> in audio range of the suit and then you learn the audio fragment <laughs> There's some really clever thought gone into this game. It's, I mean, it's it's kind of minimal in a way. You're just sort of going through a whole bunch of rooms with what are essentially, you know, drones, you know, the, the town guard type drones. Except they're all you, and they learn yeah. your stuff, and they got your abilities if you if you show them. I mean, I I wonder about. Perhaps later on they'll stop unlearning stuff as it gets towards the far end of it all. Yeah. I mean, it's doing a good job of teaching new mechanics. I mean, basic mechanics like you have to go and grab an or- a scepter off one pedestal and plug it into another pedestal the other side of a room just to get the door to open. That forces you to traverse this vast room with all sorts of multiple levels and obstacles and so on. There's another mechanic where in order to get the p- a pagoda to open, which has got the main lift that goes down to the next level, you have to collect a number of blue orbs from different pedestals all around this massive multi-layered room. So, you know, it's really making you work amongst work around it all you've got some helpers the you can tag them okay so if you point the gun at them um for a second or so it does a sort of crosshair and then something in red brackets them and that red yeah. bracket you can see through walls and will persist obviously if you've killed one of them the bracket goes and it's not there when they get back up yeah. after the next recycle um the gun can be fired in a aoe short range knockdown thing and, and at worst you can just push them over as a sort of melee attack it doesn't do them any damage and they get back up but it gives you time to get clear there are little crystal orbs on plinths you can pick up and smash into them to kill them as a melee attack and that's a one-shot thing that's relatively quiet but but it's fast. It really is working. I am finding myself. I'm having to really vary it up constantly to just make any progress. This thing because every every sort of three or four actions, the lights will go out and they'll be reprogrammed, and suddenly they know how to do these yeah. different things. It sounds fascinating. It really is. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're a bit tired of the normal. Uh, I mean, I say normal. I mean, stealth stealth maps aren't a hugely uh, popular genre, even you know as is. I can see this putting a lot of people off. I can see it dividing. So okay, you've got people who don't like stealth games and people who like stealth games, which you know is fair <laughs> enough. Straightforward division, yeah. <laughs> but I, I can see this dividing up the the people who like stealth games into two camps because some people and I, I sometimes I'm one of the. I must admit this is one of one of the things I like about stealth is the is, is the power and control you have over the whole situation. Yeah. You know, I'm invisible. I've got all sorts of cool arrows or cool cool gadgets that can command their attention, and I'm 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 you know you know the sort of smugness you get from just not being undetected and just sort of bypassing fights well, and being um, in command of it all. <laughs> Uh, the last Metal Gear Solid, perfect example of that. There's a certain smugness you get from having got into a base, kidnapped every person with usable <laughs> skills, yeah. and either not killed or killed everyone else. Depending yeah, yeah, on your point yeah. Of view. I'm in control. It's about control stealth games. I mean, you know, a straightforward gunfight game is is about skill and yeah. adrenaline and speed, whereas whereas stealth gameplay is about patience and control. And this this whole learning as you go thing does rob you of that control. You even playing well, you're constantly forced to. Adapt. Constantly 
forced to change because yeah, they've adapted. Yeah. I could see this. I could see under, under other circumstances this being a Borg-based Star Trek <laughs> game. But oh, but the Borg only really adapted on a. Are you a problem? And b. What gun are you firing? Yeah, exactly. Oh, the Borg weren't very good at adapting. If we're to be fair. Yeah, yeah, exactly. By adapting, we mean they have a different sort of force yeah. shield that now blocks this kind of gun. <laughs> oh, okay. <clears throat> but yeah, and they never learned that maybe they should always treat humans as hostile. <laughs> Or learn to try and reason with humans because yeah. it's just you know the whole the whole Glados, Glados realization at the end yeah. of Portal Two that it's just too much trouble to try and kill Chell. <laughs> might, well, might as well let her go, you know. Um, yeah, so it's it's fascinating. I mean, it, it's hard work though because yeah, like I say, I think it's not going to be hugely popular. I think it's going to be a niche title. I mean, it is very clever and very stylish, and I, I personally really like it. But it took some getting into. Initially, I was like, mm, yeah, okay, yeah. But now I'm starting to see the genius and starting to settle into it. And I mean. They've just taught the, the, the room I've entered now, the latest bit. They're teaching a new mechanic where there's extendable and retractable walkways, and of course, operating one of those is another skill they'll learn, and that sort of changes the whole dynamic of getting Especially around. Especially standing the on one. Well, yeah, yeah, they do. They sort of attract and thing while you're stood on them if someone operates them from the end. So yeah. well, terrible people do that to you in a game. <laughs> yes, yeah. Especially if you taught them how yourself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 absolutely fascinating game. I mean, I just can't praise it enough. But it's really not going to be everyone's cup of tea. That's the thing. So if you like that sort of thing, then play it. If you don't, then don't. Well, if you like stealth games, give it a go, but you still might not... Yeah, it, it might become frustrating. It's having... more of a puzzle stealth game. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it is definitely a puzzle game. I mean, it's a stealth game in which you just can't complacently settle into your yeah. usual routine because that is absolutely <laughs> what will get you killed because they'll learn it. Your usual routine, which is usually, oh, I'm going to do this properly five minutes later. Okay, I've got a cupboard full of dead people. What am I going to do now? Yeah, there's no stuffing people in cupboards. Uh, there's no light switches. You can't shoot out the light bulbs or anything. Yeah. That's 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 all. You know, that doesn't all... work with modern life. <laughs> it's all intrinsic <laughs> to the palace. It's just the, the lights are on. There's lights embedded in the ceiling let's take them all out yeah well out of ammo. this this palace is just glowing you know the walls <laughs> themselves are the lights you know it's just that kind of place so uh you, you find it, it, yeah aesthetically it's fascinating being in a stealth map where everything is so painfully and brightly <laughs> lit you know it's all about fields of vision rather than crouch yeah. in this corner and hope the shadows are deep enough you know you don't have a light gem or anything like that you do have an interesting sort of 360 the suit has got a 360 proximity sensor so you get like these triangular areas getting bigger as stuff gets near yeah. you from various stuff. and that works in in ledges above and so on so you get you get some idea if something is the other side of that door and so on and then yes you can tag as many people as you like with the gun without actually shooting them and that then you can see the red brackets moving around even through walls which lets you plan a bit more i don't think they can do the, the red bracketing thing or the, would they know what to do about it if they could but yeah I mean, absolutely it's sort of reminiscent of the, the the video game ai problem isn't it if you design really really good computer game ai it's just going to crush everybody yeah. who tries to play it constantly and that'll be no fun the easy thing is to make somebody shoot perfectly yes exactly yeah a computer opponents who are perfect at the game yeah. is, is is relatively easy to do i suppose it's making it's easier than making them fun making them challenging and yet defeatable yeah. at just the right level and for multiple different skills people of different skill levels is is the hard because the, the ultimate way that every level in these games should be dealt with is mm. all of the enemies uh just basically walk towards you at the start and they come to you yeah. En masse. Yes. Yeah, the zombie survival yeah. scenario situation. Except they've all got guns as well. Yeah. You know, <laughs> fine. And are taking cover and are shooting. Quite and can see through walls because the computer knows how to see yeah. through walls. Computer knows where you are. Computer knows where its own things are. It can quite easily just make teleport them on top of you and kill you. But that's not a fun game. You know, that's not fair. Well, there's other tricks that games do as well that are less obvious, like uh, the last 
bullet in your gun may be a lot more powerful than all the other bullets. Mm, yeah, or the rubber banding phenomenon in yeah. racing games, yeah. you know, where if you're at the back, you will go faster, yeah. you know, generally. You know, just, yeah, because just where's the fun in uh, spinning out on the first lap and uh, never being able to never catch Never being able up. to catch up, yeah, just having to keep plodding on. And that may happen in real races and people just get on with it, but, you know, in, in, you're playing a game to be, you know, at least in some, in some degree special, in some degree victorious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I was absolutely surprised and amazed. I mean, it's not something I really would have thought about picking up myself, so so uh, thanks for that. But, uh, yeah, I recommend it. Right. Fascinating. Over to you. I'm going to talk about the Shrouded Isle. The Shrouded Isle. Now this is Sounds a familiar. Where is, that? is that? Is that an Avatar? That's an ultimate thing, isn't it? No. No. I oh, think it's I don't be. know. Anyway, anyway. Um, this is a game in where you are the head of a religion mm-hmm. uh, of a town. Okay. Uh, a sort of a American Victorian type town, you know the type. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teeny bit Cthulhu, <laughs> right? Uh, and it's a two D thing, all monochrome, yeah. uh, where it's just basically status screens and text comes up. You have five houses, or is it six? Five houses, and your religion says that certain things must be upheld. You have these tenets, have to, like um, lack of information. You need to keep people ignorant of the real world. <laughs> you right. have to keep people obeying. Okay. You have to, yeah. Is, is this social commentary as gameplay? There may be a tiny bit mm. of ever so subtle commentary <laughs> about various things like religion. Right. And what okay. you do is that at the start of every um, season, mm. you pick some advisors yep. and you, uh, from each house, so you have to choose which people from the house who are going to do things like the one that does the uh, uh, information may have the ability to burn books. Okay. And... One is obedience, and that's all. So basically, shadow over in his mouth as a resource management game. Yeah, that's what we're talking. That's all. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, and then each month or so, you you choose a couple of those advisors to do some work, mm-hmm. and they will do their ability, and not knowing anything will go up because it's a nice double negative, right. uh, or or obedience will go up or down. Okay. But the thing is, everybody in it has. Good ability and a bad ability. Mm. So they've got the good one, which might be their pious, or it might be uh, their unquestioning. Yeah. But there might be one that's undisciplined. It could be uh, their their faith or a kleptomaniac or something. <laughs> and once okay. it's the first time you you get to do a couple of investigations or to the people each time. Yeah. And you first time you do it, it'll say a rough where it is up or down, whatever. And then the second time you do it, it'll say exactly what it is. So it's you know it might be minus thirty on obedience because right. they're rebellious. Okay. And so whenever they do anything, they're actually going to hurt uh, your obedience. Quite okay. A lot. So you're trying to choose which one you're going to have. Yeah. And no one's perfect. So you're basically trying to pick the people slowly uh, over time, work out which people you want to use. Mm-hmm. Um, two wrinkles in this problem. Yeah. One is uh, at the end of each season, you have to um, sacrifice one of them. <laughs> okay. Right. And room at the top, your god will tell you who wants to be sacrificed. I want you to kill the um, uh, the thief. Right. So you have to find the person who's the thief and sacrifice them, and everything goes a lot nicer. But you have to sacrifice someone who's got no clue. You then choose how, who you want to sacrifice. Now, can you start to get rid of somebody who's got really bad skills? Yeah. So it's a sort of who done it thing as well aspect. Of sort it. of. Yeah. And so, but. If you get rid of somebody with a minor problem, yeah. everyone's going to get a bit upset that they were redeemable. Get rid of somebody <laughs> with uh, uh, too many people from the same house, that mm. house gets really upset. Uh, right. 
What's wrong with just unshakable obedience? Because you're terror? you're going towards the uh, end times, and you need to make everyone uh, behave properly for when the God comes. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> it sounds awful. It is awful. <laughs> it, it, okay. it's absolutely horrific. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's presented in just this monochrome uh, text boxes coming up. It, it looks really lovely with um, all this lovely artwork, but. Mm. There's absolutely nothing there beyond Massive choosing options. Uh, basically, uh, choosing who, uh, which person from the house is going to represent them this time, mm. uh, which couple of houses you're going to want to use as advisors this time, and uh, who you're going to investigate, basically. Mm. Right. Um, yeah, it's weird. Also, it may have rather problematic issues on mental health because it's got this Cthulhu-y type thing. And as you can imagine, that's not the most... Diplomatic, should we say, or modern? <laughs> it's not the most modern interpretation on how uh, mental health works. Right. Yes. Yes. I could. Um, mm, wow. Where to begin? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, gameplay-wise, it sounds quite simplistic. Well, the problem is, what it basically is is a game where all you're doing is trying to make these five. Or is it six? Can't remember. Uh, bar graphs go up. Yeah. And you'll keep more up, and you'll well, have a lot of games can be distilled down to essentially keep it. I mean, pretty much any any resource management game like the Anno series. Yeah. Or, oh, know, but this is can all be this is really distilled that. down to that. Basically, every choice yeah. you make is I can raise that one, but it's going to lower those two. Yeah. yeah. Or and trying to keep them all out of the danger area, and you may get to a point where you only have bad people, so I, I can fix that one score. If that one score drops, I'm going to lose this turn, mm. but I can fix that one, but those two are going to drop down, and then I'll have a problem with those two, mm. and it's all that kind of decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, oh yeah, it's like The Sims as well, isn't it? I mean, that's essentially yeah. the basic core gameplay of The Sims is trying to keep all their different need bars nice and high by making them do stuff. Yeah, like watch telly or go all to of those other watch. games you mentioned yeah. put a lot more effort into making it not seem like it is such a blatant... It, yeah, this doesn't really sound like much of a game at all. And then on the other hand, you've got some quite questionable subject material going on there as well. <laughs> well what, it, what, 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 what did you learn after playing this game? I learned that uh, I don't have the stomach for running a religion. Well, quite. Uh, yeah, it, it, it just sounds like a sort of very, very veiled attack. Thinly veiled, veiled attack. Thinly. <laughs> Thin, all right, a not very veiled attack on organised religion as a general concept. Well, and it's religion... Dressed up with a very dull game about raising bargains. It's religion as a political entity and well, control controlled in the populace. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. It's Is it setting out to shock? Is it meant to be, ooh, that's a bit naughty, you know. I is don't it, is know. Is it subversive, particularly? It, it, well, sort you of. You mentioned the, sort of the outlook it has on mental health issues. Yeah, because you end up locking people in towers uh, yeah. because they're a little bit peaky. Right. Uh, yeah. I suppose you could take it in the spirit of, oh, Cthulhu, you know. Yeah, that. well, but, I think it's definitely but, meant to be. But, but yeah. It's, it, it's one of the problems. It seems with, like quite a one-dimensional joke if, if it is that. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't sound like something I'd go out and buy. Anyway. No, it's weird. <laughs> I, I forget where I got it as well. <laughs> it just appeared. Okay. Fair no, enough. I probably got it as part of a bundle or something. Yeah. They, it's not bad. Yeah. But it's Presumably not... we're talking somewhere down on the Indian end of uh, oh, production yeah. values and such. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's really not a bad game. It's just it's lacking something, and I think that people have given it a lot more credit for what it is because oh look, it's doing something a bit edgy with the is material. It, is is it, does it have a claim? Do people think it's yeah, astonishing? A lot of people have talked about it, saying it's very interesting. Maybe you're not doing a very good job. <laughs> so, I, I'm just not. Sounds, I'm just, just not sound, yeah. finding it that interesting. It sounds it, a bit hipsterish. Game wise, it? it is 
very, very simplistic, mm-hmm. which is fine, which is fine. You can have simple games, yeah. Material-wise, it's very, very simplistic. It's not a clever take on this. Mm-hmm. It is the very obvious take. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know whether or not my background means that I just find <laughs> that a lot more... Well, that's uh, your own personal upbringing is not really the point. Yeah, you know, yeah I don't know. Basic fundamental respect for people. What I'm basically beliefs, saying is I don't know if experiencing all of this for however many years of Catholic school mm. basically showed me that, yes, this is how Catholic school works. Is it, though? No, it's not. Well, this is it. I mean, they, they sort of purport to present a, a nuanced view of organised religion and why it's bad well, they, by... they don't really say that. do what the squid tells you or something, but... They don't really say that. They, yeah. It just... Mm. I mean, it, it could be it could be seen as an analysis. <laughs> I, think I think you'll find it's a bit more complicated than it that. It could be seen as an analysis on how religion is used to control people in a bad way. It could be taken as an analysis on how all religion is just used to control people. Those or all... it could be taken as, oh, look, this seems like a pretty neat thing to just put over this very simplistic uh, needs system that we need to work mm. on. Well, those are all quite worthy it's, ideals, but yeah, there's basic, probably better ways to explore it's them. It's basically than... guess who. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Do they have a moustache? Yeah. Sacrifice them. Yeah, the, the game yeah, okay. is basically guess who with more sacrifices. Right, right. Yeah, which is probably not a bad thing, but yeah. Yeah, is it me? It might just be me, but I'm just, I'm just getting a bit tired of the whole Cthulhu thing. Yeah, you definitely. know. I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it, it was funny at the start, you know, like it, twenty years ago. It, it's gone too far now. Everyone's doing it. Yeah, perhaps we ought to just leave Lovecraft alone. For yeah, a bit. I think we should. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I can't really recommend that game. Okay, good. Moving from one game you can't recommend to another. I played that Stories Untold thing you, oh, like you, you gave me the code for. Yeah. Yeah. That was good, that was. Yeah, it was great. Do you want to say why it's not great? No, no, it was great. Yeah. Should we move on? No, no, no. no, no you're no, not going to no, let me get away no, with that. Okay, it was awful. It, was, it, it, pro- it provokes me in exactly the way you were expecting. I'm, I, if I've learned anything from playing it, it's that I'm never going to play one of your game recommendations again because you seem to have this... A strange delight in making me cross, largely I, for, for podcasting purposes. No, I'm not trying to make you cross. It just <laughs> always surprises me that a game makes you cross. I didn't like it at all, I think you could say. So, yeah, Stories Untold, uh, it sells itself as some kind of retro gaming and text adventure type experience. At the start, At yeah. the start, oh, that's as far as I got. Uh, you sort of sat in this room, tapping away on your key, and it's appearing on a... On a, on a it actually is a 128k spectrum, with the, yeah. the word spectrum changed. It's a plus two, plus two, but it's it, too yeah. thin. Yeah, yeah. So there's actually... You're sat in a room looking at a television and a computer and some, some lamps and things in the background and some really sort of 70s veneer wood wallpaper yeah. grain stuff there. And I think, oh, this Fantastic. is quite a nice little retro experience. And, and uh, well, actually, this is the... The first of three stories or three chapters or something. Uh, is it bit. four? I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. Might be three. I can't so yeah, I start tapping away, you know, and it's, it is. You are standing outside a house. There are exits east, west, north, south. That kind of proper old school Zork type yeah. text adventure stuff. I thought, all oh, right, we'll give this a go. Tap, 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 tap. Um, yeah, go around the side of the house, find the key, turn the generator on, go in the house, and all that way it's sort of painting this really rosy, nostalgic picture. You are, essentially, you are coming back to the house of your childhood, and you're a grown up now, and you know all the things the way you left them, and it's all bringing fantastic nostalgia and memories and stuff. Eventually, it's sort of you, you go through the house, you go up into the bedroom, your old bedroom, you find the computer there, and you, t- you sit down in front of it, and you start playing a text adventure. Oh, very meta. I like it. I see what they did there. Very clever. And but you know, meta upon meta, because suddenly you. 
you start playing the text adventure and now it's fl- the lights go off and it goes all nasty music and not the dark tones and stuff colors and stuff and you're still playing this text adventure and you now you're standing outside a rotting house that's all very scary place yeah. and and there's a nasty it's all dilapidated and you can't understand why you want to come to this house but you go up the path anyway and it's basically it makes you do exactly the same text adventure moves again yep. only this time it's all it's all horrible and, and there's blood everywhere and, and and the screams and oh god why did i do it why did i do it you know and i got as far as the bit where it was refusing to continue until i told until i typed in that it was all my fault and that i killed them all uh, and i thought i can't be having with this i'm done so i walked away at that point so i imagine it's a fantastic game just for the reveal I don't know. Whatever. I, could, I couldn't. I couldn't find the stomach to play along with its ridiculous manipulative shenanigans, and this is exactly what I got from the Stanley Parable, which is exactly why you recommended it for me. I imagine. I just didn't get on with it at all. It was just, you know, quite, yeah. quite queasy, quite, uh, quite dirty, you know. Because I felt, ugh, ugh, no, not not enjoying myself here in any real sense. Could be worse. Mm. You could have played one of the other things I played. I don't know. Which I'm not going to talk about much. All I'm going to say is in VR, uh, being in Crime Alley, watching Joe Chill kill the Waynes while you can't move in VR is oh, not fun. God, is that that Arkham Asylum yeah. VR thing? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. You have to start wondering where... I suppose, you know... Does a certain proportion of game designers just have no moral lines? I, I've got a feeling that an awful lot of oh, people wouldn't it be, just wouldn't don't it be, feel. Wouldn't it be edgy? <laughs> Some of these games are literally being written by computer algorithms. Yeah. Wouldn't it be edgy if we made you put on a VR headset and then watch a really detailed murder happening? Yeah, of that, your parents. What? Yeah, God. I, I will give them this. There's, there's, well, that's going to sell VR. That's going to make it mainstream. I, I will give them this. They managed to make me look at that oh-so-boring death of his parents thing from a whole new angle. Uh, yeah. That whole new angle being child height. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, I, I, actually, having said all that, if I watched Bruce Wayne's parents get murdered again, I probably wouldn't even flinch at this stage because yeah. it's just such a tired old tale. But, but no, I mean, yeah. And I, we, were, we were talking about this the other day on Mumble, playing something or other. I might have been Path of Exile, and I just thought, I'm so sick of adventuring my way through some giant beast's internal organs, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what is it with game designers? They're sick, twisted people. Oh, I know, we could have, like, a level where you're inside someone's colon and there's all teeth coming in and you have to try and fight your way, and yeah. fight, fight sentient bacteria. I mean, for God's sake, people, what's wrong with just a traditional medieval castle I, and a dragon or I something? I quite you know? like the one in uh, Gears of War because it was currently eating cities at the time. Yeah, you had a chainsaw our way yeah. out of a worm's intestines yeah. there. And there was a whole section in Guild Wars, a game I otherwise love fantastically, where you're in the realm of torment and that's all teeth and bloody yeah. organs. I mean, I've just had enough of it. And... I don't know, perhaps I'm getting old, perhaps this kind of, oh, edgy, you know, what, what if you were the murderer? You know, I kept expecting this text adventure to go, ah, but what was your third wish? You know, it's like, oh, for God's sake, I've just had enough of this, this trite, overused, cliche. Oh, maybe you're the murderer. Oh, the no, no, I'm not the murderer. I will tell I'm you what sh- happens in that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please, please spoil it extensively for me so I have no need to play it ever again because uh, I'm pretty sure I won't be carrying on with that. Uh, it's, uh, my, my only regret is that you didn't give me the code until well after the two hours for the Steam refund was yeah. expired. So, But I didn't pay for it anyway. So no, it was, a, it was yeah. a free code given. So yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. But really? You're sitting there watching a murder in yeah. VR? Oh, that's... I'm, 
you know, I always thought the phrase murder simulator was just some sort of in-joke we run with because of, you know, knee-jerk right-wing mainstream media reactionism. But that is literally a murder. I mean, it would only be worse if you had to do it. Yeah, well... I mean, we're getting into, what is it, uh, heavy rain where you have to press, oh. press X to chop your own fingers off? Yeah, yeah. I mean, That'd be brilliant Because you could actually map the finger and you'd get yeah, that. Yeah, you could have put your glove you'd there. You'd get phantom have... limb syndrome thingy. Yeah, yeah. You know wow. that one, actually, what's it called where you've got the fake hand there and your hand's behind the yeah, thing? Yeah, then they go, wham, and with then a knife. Wham, yeah. yeah, and you go, ah! Yeah. Yeah, you actually believe you your own hand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you could do that with VR. You could. But you don't, shouldn't. Don't it's do a that stupid VR. idea. Yeah, exactly. I thought the idea was to try and make make VR popular and mainstream, not scare the living wits out of anyone who puts a set of goggles on. Do you want to talk about a better VR game then? Uh, I need to calm down a bit, so you can yeah. certainly do some talking. Okay, you know I got the VR handset things for my Rift, the uh, hand oh. controllers. All right. Uh, yeah, they just basically map your. You put them on. Uh, they got little, nice little protective things around your knuckles, so, so you don't punch accidentally a punch a bookcase or your desk. <laughs> <laughs> or any number of real life things you can no longer see. Or your music keyboard, which is a bit too close for where you're sitting. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Or the bottle of wine that you. Yeah. Or anyway. indeed people. Or indeed people. Mm. Uh, least of the problems. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I got these uh, controllers a while ago for my Rift when they went on sale. Mm. And I thought I, I shall uh, actually try them over Christmas because I had a chance because I've been playing a bit of VR and other games. I thought I'd be, I might as well use the controller. Mm. So one of the first things I started off, there's an awful lot of dross, I will say that. What, oh, I will say they work brilliantly. You hold them up. Mm. In, uh, What's the physical tracking like? It's perfect. Wow. How do they do that? It's, there must be an exterior sensor. Somewhere. There's two exterior sensors. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Looking at it, and there's also accelerometers oh, two, in two it. Two for distance. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and there's an accelerometer on it as well. Okay, uh, and so you put it in, and you end up with uh, a bluish in, in the demo app. They have a bluish disembodied hand, mm-hmm. uh, no arms, just disembodied hands, <laughs> and they perfectly map. And the controllers on the buttons. That's got to help with your suspension of disbelief, isn't the, it? The buttons just t- touching the buttons. Yeah, uh, the fingers will move to them or whatever. Okay. On some things, and in other things, uh, you've got controls. You could basically do that, 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 that. Oh, and so it's so got finger resolution. Uh, only not just the no, you, where is my those, fist. Those three are on one trigger. Yeah, that's on another trigger, yeah. and that's on okay. touching buttons. Yeah. So you actually get you can pick stuff up, or you can point and. That's most of the way there, isn't it? Yeah, the, you know, the old, the, the sort of fan, the imaginary gloves you put on in all the sci-fi stuff. You know, I mean, I we're almost see, there. Aren't we? The gloves I can see working pro- apparently fine now. Just the problem would be there'd be gloves, and who wants to wear gloves? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that works perfectly, and I'm really impressed by that. So I was looking for the list of things that I could play, and yeah, there's a bunch how, of how games. These applied. There's a bunch of interesting games that I looked at, uh, but the one that I thought I'll just have a look at was Google Earth VR. Okay, yeah, that they do that for the cardboard as well. Google yeah. is just flying over the planet and stuff. Yeah, uh, basically, what it is Random is bit. Google Earth, mm-hmm. but you control it in VR. Okay, so it's the 3D view of the ground. Yeah. You know where they've done all the 3D buildings. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I went to my hometown. So go to Street View as well. If you hold the cardboard, if you one hold, doesn't. if you hold this thing up yeah. to your face, yeah. it goes to Street View, <laughs> and it basically has a sphere. You put it in your head inside the sphere, <laughs> and it's Street View. I'm like a god looking <laughs> yeah. down on you mortals. Yes. Uh, and, and it is fantastic. You, I, I was <laughs> zipping all around, looking at everyone's houses, yeah. um, looking at the... So, oh, feeding oh, look, nicely into your Zeus complex. Look, look at the, the trains on the train line. <laughs> it's all static, of course, because it's, it's just well, yeah, yeah. generation from data. God, that's the next thing, live feed of yeah. Google Earth. Yeah. Uh, you can drop down to Street View, of course. You can zoom all the way in. Oh, Street Viewing down the road. And oh, Street Viewing and VR looking through the window to see where I wasn't. <laughs> Because I wasn't there when the Street View car came round, which is a bit freaky. 
Uh, yeah, sounds cool. Yeah, and it's really, really good. I mean, um, not a game as such, but a fantastic experience, and sounds like it justifies the hardware and technology. Yeah. Uh, well, I imagine having GeoGuessr in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and I did a bit of landscape archaeology. Oh, something you should try. Uh, Sky, Space Engine? Yes. That's got a load of... It's free, a free sort of universe simulator thing, fly around all the stars and plan, look on look on imaginary made-up planets and stuff. Yeah. But that's got, got a lot of VR support in it. Maybe U- that works Universe sim as well. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of different things out yeah. there. Yeah. It's, Flying it, around the universe with a headset on. It's just fantastic. If you really want to demonstrate, you, you, you basically you can grab the ground and pull it to move. Mm-hmm. And you can zoom it, go all the way down. I was... I was uh, Looking around London, going for the centre of London, and all the buildings are there, and just looking around and saying, oh, look, that's on top of that building. That's interesting. Okay. It's just fantastic. And because you've got your head tra- mount, uh, tracking as well, you're looking around the building, so that really you just lends... poke your head around the back. Yeah, I mean, even with that crappy Google Cardboard thing, you, you, that that in itself, just being able to look and see it move with you, yeah. and the sort of rudimentary 3D it's applying, were enough to start you believing you were there yeah yeah and th- this is just fantastic this, yeah much better uh, it, yeah like I, said, I do some uh landscape archaeology on it i was working out some there's some bits of the landscape around here that i'm trying to figure out the context yeah. for and it made it a lot easier to work out the um high ground where certain buildings are mm. which is interesting we, yeah. yeah how often can you say you actually did something useful that is know? the future isn't it we are living in the future we are. Though, aren't we with that, that kind of technology yeah and it's got the things like you, it's got a uh you can go anywhere on the planet, of course. So it's, it's got a uh, mode where it just flick you between various towns or landmarks on the planet. Uh, it's a wonderful, massive, you know, all those massive open quarries yes. in America. Mm. You know, the really big ones that, that you always get people driving cars around in top gear and things. <laughs> yeah. And I was poking around one of them and boy, are they bigger than you think. <laughs> well, the sense of scale, yeah. That's something that VR can achieve, which you can't generally yeah. get very well just from looking oh, at it on a normal monitor. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I haven't done Meteor yet. I should do that. But mm. also, you know, looking uh, at the pyramids and things. I and imagine you're going to go, obviously, you know, Google Earth is just whenever they send the cars around. But I imagine some of the more prominent landmarks, so you'll get more and more increasingly high-resolution scans and photography well, of them as this but, kind of technology is there to, to be fed by it. Well, what they've got is, because, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the Google Earth thing being the 3D models, um automatically generated with a bit of uh, modification from the various views they have so Mm. uh for where they've done it i mean there are whole areas they haven't done it yeah uh but then again but no one's gone out there and measured the trees no and yet there they are you know they they pop up in 3d they they just work it out from shadows and stuff Uh, well there's some very clever algorithms the data available um that lets you do certain things Mm. uh and there's you know lidar scans and scuttle uh, scuttle shuttle topography missions Mm. to to get you uh oh yeah i mean for hills and stuff but individual buildings and trees yeah the The resolution of that is impressive i'd be looking at some lidar data of uh, a thing for a stupid game idea I have mm. and you know it, it shows I need it for roads so I'm looking at the roads and it, you've got uh, where you've got dual carriageway with the uh, on and off with it yeah. you know, it's a sunken dual carriageway yeah, yeah. you know the one I mean mm. uh, which has the uh, roundabout on top of it yeah. and it goes underneath and you know that is all there it's worked it out the, the, just from a view well above. it's just from the, the uh, this is yeah. just from the data I've got which is just from somebody flying a plane over mm. uh, when it comes to the Google one they've actually figured all that out and done it properly because they've taken it from all the other data sources astonishing yeah it's fantastic and it's really fun and I really like it and it's really good and it's worth trying it if you have such an opportunity yeah yeah Cool. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to talk about uh, Skyrim. 
<laughs> yeah, okay. no, just a you know like fifteen year old game or whatever. Yeah, uh, no, it's going to be something new. It is something new. Yes, this is the well, it's not new. It's new to me anyway. This is the I was talking about it briefly the other week, and I've got Skyrim Special Edition because I thought I'll have a look, and it's turning out to be quite good. Yeah, working well. Um, I mean, yeah, you can maintain a massive chip on your shoulder about paid mods and oh we liked it in the old ways and we don't like their creation club and whatever but you know objectively speaking it's if you've not played any skyrim special edition is probably the one to go for um yeah so they, they i don't know when it was converted but there has been a long-running mod project called uh, skyrim beyond where a whole bunch of modders have all sort of worked together on this collaborative enterprise to try and basically recreate uh the, the landscape and the people and the places of the the Oblivion game, okay, Elder Scrolls yes. Four. Yeah. Um, they're not, but Skyrim is set about 150 years after Oblivion. Um, so what they're doing instead is just extending Skyrim south. So I had a good old chance to have a run around in there. They've done a bit cool, yeah, beyond Skyrim Bruma as a sort of initial offering, and it's it's one sort of region of Cyrodiil, not the entire map of, of uh, the Elder Scrolls Four. Although the basic, like I say, basic landscape can be scraped from the data files. Yeah, but it's basically it seems to be what they've done. They've sort of taken the the Oblivion data files as a start because Oblivion was a very well modded game as well, very open oh, yeah. in terms of oh, the, editing. The, the, the file formats for all of that well, is the, very well documented. Yeah, it came with an editor, and so does Skyrim. So you know, you could open up the landscape and you can import that across and so on and I thought that's probably what they've just done but it seems like they've done a lot more work than that they haven't just like done a straight copy of the textures and resources from the, the fourth, you know, the Elder Scrolls 4 and I'm not even sure you're legally allowed to anyway, no. you have to make your own art assets or at least significantly modify them there, there was a mod to put GTA 3 or 4 mm. into GTA 5 and yeah. it got shut down, even though it just took the existing data from the other. Well that's the thing you can't do I mean, in, ter in terms of fair use or derivative Oh, it extracted it from yeah. the uh, install on the hard disk. And oh, I see. Again. Literally, yeah, no. No, so what they've done is they've basically used that as a starting block, I suppose, and they've worked up a really detailed area of basically south of the main Skyrim world. You go through one of those gates up in one of the passes and suddenly you find yourself in a different landscape over the hill and you're looking down the valley towards the Imperial City, you know, with the big circular wall and the big tall tower yeah. in the middle. You can't actually go there. The, 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 the effort they've done so far stops at an invisible wall about halfway between the Imperial city and skyrim but when you get up to that point it's this fantastically detailed mountainous landscape full of hidden little valleys and roads and ruins and so on um the city of bruma is fast fantastic i mean i just all vaguely remember i'm gonna have to install and fire up four just to get some comparisons to be honest but it's got the same sort of half circle of houses all facing down that main street and that big cathedral building yeah, on the yeah, city yeah. at the back there and it, you know there's lot, loads of NPCs all wandering around a lot, of the, a lot of the shops and businesses are still there but of course 150 years later they've all been passed down through the family yes. you know? <laughs> it's not a straight copy of, of the original thing that uh, but I've just been really really impressed with the effort and detail that's gone into it it's got original soundtrack Okay. Yeah, easily on huge orchestral stuff. I don't know whether it's a Creative Commons thing they've found or whether they've had it commissioned or done it specially for it, but it's you know easily up there with the original Jeremy Soule soundtrack. It's you know different music, different you know leap motifs and different themes and going on, but easily you know it creates the impression that you're playing a real proper yeah. official expansion. Official, you know, it's like the Solstheim expansion, the Dragonborn expansion that takes you to the island of Solstheim, which was actually originally an expansion for Morrowind. That's an official DLC. That's one of the ones Bethesda did. And that's a big old island filled with ash and volcanoes and so on and Nords and whatnot. But this Beyond Bruma thing is, is about the same kind of size and the same kind of depth and complexity. It's got original voice work. Pretty much all the all the NPCs are voiced up. Better and than the original, then. 
Well, yeah, mostly. Uh, there's, 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 a, there's a couple of voices about, in the video. About the same level, I think perhaps more voice actors involved, slightly more. It's like the same kind. There's yeah, lots of different distinct voices there. And, and best of all, they're not, they don't sound like they've all done it on a podcast, Mike, either. They sound really professional. Definitely better than everything. I don't know how, you know, what actor, maybe they've called in some actual actors who've you know, uh, had a possibly. bit of gigging work to do, or, or whether these are just surprisingly well-talented modders who are good at the voice work There's stuff. quite a lot of um, talented voices. There's one or two there. voices in there that sound a bit, I don't know. Oh, yeah, it's cruel to call it amateur, but you know they don't sound quite on the same par yeah. with everyone else. But, but it, it's a skill. It is. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but they they sort of basically fleshed out this whole city with quest lines and NPCs who do a lot of talking. I mean, if, if anything, the various NPC shopkeepers and innkeepers are a little too keen to tell you their life story compared to the main base <laughs> game. You know, they go on and on. It's like, okay, someone's had a real, you know, someone's really want, gone to work on this method. I've written this and you will pay attention. <laughs> exactly right. Innkeeper number three, here's the, here's the background. Boom, you know, you know and what's my motivation for selling this pint of mead? Hmm. How come that every single innkeeper here is actually descended from royalty? Yeah, they were just they're just really 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 talkative compared to the, the people in the base game, you know. Yeah, I just I, you know, I just wanted to know where the nearest dragon yeah. lest was, you know. Did you want to buy this hammer? <laughs> yeah, but I just can't fault the sheer level of detail and, and I mean there's whole new sets of armour in there, whole new sets of clothes and robes and weapons. A lot of, a lot of the weapons are unique and distinct to this expansion. Mm. They're slightly different style to them just, you know, cloned the shopkeeper across yeah. to the new area. They're all selling new and different looking swords. They're still called iron armour and you know steel armour, but they've got different style. Some you know, people put a lot of work into all the objects and the you know the shopkeeping you know, the bits and pieces in the shops. The Aeolid ruins are interesting. You know, you might yes. remember those. From I remember those. Yes, four. There's a sort of rectilinear white stone elven, old ancient elven ruins, and there's a couple of those in this place, and they they've been really well done. I think I've got a bit of video of some some of that. And I just think, wow. I mean, I had a look on. You can find it on the Nexus Mods page. Just look for Beyond Skyrim Brumer, um, or just Google. You know, you can find this stuff. It's easy enough. But well, if you're looking for anything Skyrim, go to Nexus. Nexus Mods is the best place. But yeah, they it's there. It's free, and it has been ported successfully to special edition as well. I think it started as a as a, an original Skyrim thing, and it's been ported. And, and then they gratefully took the extra memory they were given by the special yeah, edition. Yeah, yeah. Apparently the original one tended to occasionally season lock up a bit. Apparently it's been extensively QA'd as well by Ooh. quite a large team, which is, you know, just something mods never get no. normally. If, luck, if you're lucky, the bloke who wrote the mod has had a go at it once or twice or had a friend look at it. But but I, I don't know how many people were involved in this. It must have been a team of at least 30 to 50 enthusiastic amateurs all pitching away into this thing. And they've managed to effectively create an expansion, a DLC, which is large, about the same sort of size as, as um, well, certainly the Dawnguard stuff and probably the the, um, the Dragonborn stuff as well. That's cool. It's, it's astonishing. And, and they're not done either. Apparently they're still working on their Their ambition is to get the entire Cyrodiil done, which is basically the entire area, the entire playfield of, of Oblivion, Elder Scrolls IV. And if, if it's done up and populated and detailed to the level they've done with the stuff so far, um, that's going to be astonishing. It's going to be easily as big as Skyrim, you know, the original yeah. base game. And I just, I mean, yeah, I suppose, what do you do with that if you're Bethesda? You, you, you know, you can't really officially endorse it, I suppose, but you don't want to step in and start trying to shut it all down. It, it seems in good faith. Yeah, you know? it seems like a good bit of advertising. It doesn't work without Skyrim, so, yeah. you know. But, yeah, who, who really knows with the... Uh, 
state of lawyers. Well, yeah, but this kind of thing is in direct competition to stuff like Oblivion and so on, Skyrim. And what happens when somebody else wants to do a similar mod? Who is who's maintaining the canon of all this? Which is an interesting thing because if if two different teams decide to do Bruma, they're going to be totally different and incompatible. You wouldn't yeah. make, they won't make the, they won't basically. <laughs> oh, the odds are only one of them will finish it. Yes, yes. You just have to hope yours is the one that goes all the way through. But you get that kind of conflict stuff going on all the time in with in modding in Skyrim. If both both of you and some other modder you've never heard of both decide to make a fantastic dungeon that sits on a cave cave x they can't both exist you know it's that whole version management control yeah. central <laughs> control thing that just does not exist with modding unless you know they, they talk to each other i'm sure oh i think what Community usually happens sort of on the really big ones is there's got to if be some, multiple ones they will coalesce into one there must be some degree of even you know amateur and inadvertent project management going on for something oh, this no, big be, yeah. there's some somebody's yeah. in charge of it somebody's coordinating and everyone's pitching in with what they and it's just really restores my faith in human nature in a way <laughs> seeing you know you think oh well surely someone's only going to make something like skyrim if they're you know it's a team of 50 developers being paid at least you know 40 50,000 pounds a year or whatever they're paid and working for five years on something that they may or may not actually personally like or enjoy it's a job you know but to see something of that kind of scale and complexity and outright professionalism done for free by people who just love the world and love yeah. the product and have it successfully get to as far as it's gotten and work, because yeah, everyone everyone goes, oh, I'm going to make a, I'll make a mod, you know, and you know, you, you get so far, and I'm going to add, you know, helicopters or whatever. You, you, you can you, set, you 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 do a thing you love and enjoy, and then you decide, oh yes, I'm going to go and make more of this myself. It's such a naive and perhaps juvenile dream, but it take, taken seriously and, and done properly. You know, you've got to have some sort of appreciation of what that's going to entail, yeah, how yeah. much work. You know, you've got to sit down and literally run it like it was a professional business. Uh, and yet no one's getting any money at the end of it all. And in fact, you know, taking money for it will probably get it shut down. <laughs> yeah. so, I don't know if there's a Patreon or a donate button somewhere. I'll have to have a look. But it's just, it's given freely and in that, that spirit. So amazing absolutely amazing I've, I, I, I guess there's quite extensive full on quest lines there it integrates with the normal quest journal there are whole new quests appearing and so oh, okay. on yeah. so yeah it's not just a bunch of people wandering around there's, there are stories here but that I, I haven't played through yet I think the question of how good the uh, quests are will be uh, an interesting one yeah, and it's going to take quite a while to get work way through it because essentially your whole new DLC yeah. <laughs> for Skyrim is going to take a while to play through. But but um, it's just amazing what's there so far. You know, I, I, I guess it's been there for a long time. I'd only just discovered it myself. Oh, yeah, it's, it's been worked on for a while. Yeah, but the state it's in, you definitely need to look now if you've ever been curious about it or looked at it before. I mean, it's, I'm just going to be amazed to see what they do with like the Imperial City and stuff. You know, that's a, that was a whole zone instance itself in the in the original game. That's where you started. So, uh, yeah, amazing, absolutely amazing. Worth looking for if you're at all a Skyrim fan and bored of the same old Dragonfall, you know, bleak dragon, bleak falls, dragon stone, blah blah, tracer, whatever, all that rubbish. <laughs> Something know. about dragons. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I haven't been attacked by a dragon in Bruma, so presumably oh, nice. that's been turned Bonus. off. <laughs> it's good because that's. <laughs> I, I think that's distinctly a Skyrim problem, yeah. really. You know. But um, yeah, yeah, they got some sort of quest lines running. They got the um, the white gold Concordiat's a big thing, and the uh, the Elden Mary Dominion. You know, those those sinister high elves running around kicking up fuss. Yeah, because in the timeline of Skyrim, the the, the high elves had broke.
broken off and formed their own breakaway thing and then absolutely trounced the empire itself. So that's that's all. And then there was a sort of unruly, a sort of uneasy peace formed between them two. And so they're wandering around like the Gestapo the whole time. There's there's a couple of them wandering around Bruma giving people trouble. So that's probably part of the main stories and things that are going on in there. But but then it's sort of, I love it and I want to get involved and I want to find my way through it. But I can't help thinking that if they ever do an Elder Scrolls 6, they're just going to dump all over that. Oh, yeah. It'll become totally non-canon and and obsolete. Um, But yeah, so. It's the journey that counts. Yeah, enjoy it for the moment. Don't worry about what's official. It's like people who get cross about official and unofficial Star Wars or Star yeah. Trek or stuff. As long as you're enjoying it and it's fun, doesn't matter. Did I ever show you uh, a Unity project that mm-hmm. I found a while ago, yeah. which loads up the map from Morrowind? Oh, wow. I've actually got Morrowind, and, and there's a whole bunch of mods that improve line, um, level, line, um, distance of rendering. You don't want to do that? No, no. no. <laughs> Turns out Morrowind's really small. It is, it's tiny. <laughs> Quite underwhelming. <laughs> you think there's an ocean there? There isn't. No. It's dark, dark. You've a fog. you can see, yeah, with the, with, if you take the fog, because the fog was essentially yeah. a machine limitation, because back then it was all four, well, pun, early Pentiums? Oh, yeah. Something like that. that. So it could only really deal with so much distance before it all ground to a halt. But modern, yeah, modern Morrowind with a high-end PC and enough mods that mo- remove the distance culling on the fog. And you can see Vivek City from the start yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, OK. Actually, this place is really tiny. What is over this hill? Oh, it doesn't matter. And it disguised all that by having giving you a really slow run speed and, and no fast travel. Watching. It seemed like a massive game. It was huge, but yeah, now no, it seems quaint. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah, so there you go. Uh, Skyrim Beyond. Bruma. Look out for Skyrim Beyond Cyrodiil uh, eventually. I don't know when. That's the problem, isn't it? Keeping yeah. the momentum going. But well, well done so far. I'm yeah. impressed. Yeah. Uh, you come off. I could say how much that I think that using VR in Elite Dangerous really makes combat a lot easier and therefore it might actually be cheating. Ah, are you, are you elite now? I've been eliting. Uh, okay. No, are you elite? Oh, no. Combat elite. No, no I'm slowly getting I only really just started doing combat. <laughs> uh, I got myself a vulture. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard good things about those. Quite heavy fighter gunship type. Yeah, it's really good, apart from the manoeuvrability and the fact the guns yeah, run out. Yeah, yeah heat. I need more power mm. or less heat. Yeah. i got Python now, so, you know. Oh, have you? Yeah. Yeah. I need to get a Python. Mm. I, I've been potting around doing the latest of the, um, um, uh, the Galactic Event things. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm in the top 50% on the... Um, community goals, yeah. Community goal, the, the shipping stuff, and it didn't take me that long to do, so... There, there are, yeah, a bit... Are you, an evening's work will usually get into the top half of those, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's quite good. Cool. Yeah, anyway, that's all. There's that right. nothing really exciting to I'm say out, so I'm do out. spill. You can go along to hannamurdertime.com where you can see all our previous episodes and all the previous podcasts from the last 10 years of this rubbish. Uh, go along <laughs> to YouTube where you can see the videos and his walking videos and maybe something new if I actually finish it. Uh, to cover I've the... made it to Hassocks. 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 Wow. It's another made-up place. <laughs> no it, one believes it, me. It's interesting how you've only walked... Six days away from yeah, here. Yeah. And in fact, and you get to the that, all the names are just the names out of fairy books, yeah. yeah, fairy tales and stuff. You'll, you'll bet they're bright on soon. Bright on. Oh, I can only dream of such heady, exotic, remote, and distant do you, lands. Do you just go north. Where do you stop? Hey, Eastbourne. Okay, yeah. So, mm. yeah. Uh, yeah, it must be quite soon. Uh, mid, mid February, I reckon. How many more weeks you got? Because you, you, you're relatively far enough. Three more. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, those are down to every two weeks because he's not walking fast enough. <laughs> there was You're a massive, up, yeah. there was a massive backlog by you giving me a week's worth in one go yeah, for yeah. Uh, uh, 
uh, walking around Cornwall. Mm. So yeah, uh, those down to uh, fortnightly, the podcast fortnightly, and so there's going to be another bit of game thing on the alternate weeks to uh, me and there's some game and stuff. I write theme music. It's fantastic. What? I know. Oh God, it's terrible. <laughs> People will find out. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, join us in two weeks' time when we play more games, and uh, hopefully there'll be no more VR murdering. See you next time. Goodbye.